The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. Um, I'm John Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are here to review E2 Mama Tambien, um, which we're recording much earlier than we normally do, so we've only had like four days between our last recording and this one. But uh, before we get into our review of E2 Mama Tambien, we will start with what we've been watching. Um, Corey, what have you seen recently? Um, On Sunday, I went and caught a screening of Sicario. Um, Day of the Soldado. Thank you. And I've been rewatching True Blood, and I'm, I think I'm on season two now. Now, why on earth would you want to go and do that? <laughs> because I love True Blood. Oh. It gets a little, it gets a little weird <laughs> later on, and I'm like, what's happening? But I, I, lo- I like this show so much, and I love Pam, and I love Lafayette, and everybody can judge me. That's fine. <laughs> Well, I, I've never I've never watched it, so I don't have much to add. But I don't have any interest in it, so you know it is what it is. Um, you know, uh, I always use Letterbox for, to do this, and I've mentioned before, like I I'm a pro member at Letterbox, so I have like the stats. And I don't know if I've looked and forgotten, or if I've just not paid attention. But I was looking at um, my all time stats, and Steven Spielberg. I've seen more of his movies by like double, like any other director. Like I, I think my I've seen twenty two or something of Spielberg's movies. Holy heck! And or it might be more now that I'm I'm like now I'm worried I'm forgetting the number, but like no one else is even remotely that close. Um, like I and I've seen you know like I've seen all of Anderson's movies, I've seen all of Tarantino's films, but neither of them are even. I think I don't think either have hit double digits. I know Tarantino hasn't because his ninth film is in the works, but. I think Anderson might be one off. Um, Isn't this supposed to be his last movie? Uh, ten. He said he would do ten, and this is okay. going to be number nine. So we got two more, um, and that's you know people say crap. It doesn't mean anything. I think Jay Z is retired. Ryan Gosling. <laughs> oh, please don't retire. No. Yes, please don't. Um, and Jay Z is retired you. from rap like four times. So you know oh. all that means nothing. Um, but uh, I was I was also like noticing like I've seen. Sam Jackson, I've seen the most of his movies because he's in so many movies. Um, I think that's just logistics. Um, I think I've seen 42, like, of his films. And that's, again, some of those he's not starring in. He's just, like, like in Goodfellas, he's in one scene. Um, you know, he's just in, like, a lot of throwaway roles early in his career. But um, the reason I was looking, though, is because I've been seeing a lot of Amanda Seyfried this year more than I think I've seen in you the past. You don't like her. Actually, she's growing on me. Um, I tried to tell you. I don't think she's a bad actress. Well, I, I still don't think she sings well in Les Mis. Um, That's I, fine. And it's stylistically. sing well in that movie? I agree with you, except for the one <laughs> actress in that movie who is from the Broadway musical who plays the friend of Amanda Seyfried. I don't remember any of their names at this point, but I thought she sang really well, and everyone else I could have done without. But um, since we've recorded on Friday night, on July 6th, I have seen... Uh, five movies, counting E2 Mama Tambien. Um, I watched Won't You Be My Neighbor for the second time. Uh, uh, and I got to take my daughter. 
And um, did she love it? You didn't she did. tell me. She did love okay. it. Uh, she cried, which she does not do normally and does not usually admit to. I think when she does, um, she <laughs> cried several times. And uh, it's coming to our Polk Theater in Lakeland, and oh, she wants to go again. And she wants uh, my wife to go this time. Um, so that's most likely I'll see it for a third time. But um, I'm okay with that. Uh, then Sunday night. Um, I haven't wrote a review for this yet, but I watched Mamma Mia for the first time, uh, prepping for the sequel, and that's where Amanda Seyfried comes back again. Um, I thought she sang much better in Mamma Mia. I don't much like the movie. Um, no offense. I feel like there's some cinematic stuff. Pierce Brosnan has no business singing, first of all. And then uh, it's not that it's bad. It's just like it's one of those movies where if one person did the right thing, there'd be no movie you know like so i'm just like frustrated with everybody i'm like stop lying stop telling lies this is stupid why are you doing that and it's just like the whole time i'm just frustrated like this this whole plot is so contrived and i don't enjoy it um similar movie meet the parents that's how i felt like if ben stiller's character just told the truth once there'd be like no conflict in that movie and i would be much happier because it's just it's it feels so frustrating but um and then last night, my wife was in the mood to uh, watch the movie, so we hit Redbox, and she doesn't go to the theater as much as she should, considering she has a movie pass, but we rented uh, Blockers and Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> yeah. So we watched those two. Um, they were both... Uh, actually, I enjoyed Blockers even more the second time, and I liked it a lot the first time, but I thought it was I wanna better. I want to see it. It's funny, and I loved the title that she made up for it. <laughs> Which oh I didn't see that. Uh, she think... she's called it several things over <laughs> we the last twenty four hours. Something. Yes, yeah, she's called it. Well, to be fair, there yeah. the promotional material has a rooster sitting on the yeah. word blockers, so it's very blatant what the the name should have been. And she was calling it all sorts of different things yesterday. Um, I'm like, it's just called blockers. Every time she'd say something, I'm like, it's just blockers. It's just blockers. Please, it's the name of the movie. And then, um, Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle. I I was pleasantly surprised when I saw it in the theater. And I was just as surprised. I actually was even more impressed because there's a few things that the movie does that I think uh, it doesn't have a right to do because it's so blatantly silly and, and it's a video game. It, it really is a video game movie, better than any other video game movie that has been made. Um, but it does some stuff with a character that I was a little bit impressed with. And even, um, like, there's moments where it feels like, oh, this is just a, what a deus ex machina type situation, but they had set it up early in the film, so it wasn't. Like, they, they already established the rules of the world, and they really abide by those rules really, really well. I'm, I'm ultimately impressed with a film that I thought shouldn't have been made when I first heard it was being announced. I was like, oh, God, not a Jumanji sequel. They nailed it. I, they really did. And I, I haven't seen the first one since I was a kid, but I think this one's better from what I remember. Now, I could be wrong, but from what I remember, I think the new one is a better movie. So, And then that leads to today. Um, I got up, and my wife and daughter uh, went out with your uh, aunt, and I watched E2 Mama Tambien while they were gone. Which I, Aren't you so glad? I was. Holy cow. I was not expecting this movie to be as I sexual as it, as it got. Yeah, um... And I guess that leads us to uh, talking about this movie in detail. So let me um, bring up the stats from IMDb, and we will uh, talk about who's in it, who directed it. Um, and I, uh, 
well, you know, we'll get into our initial opinions of the movie, but um, it stars Maribel Verdu, uh, Gail Garcia Bernal, and Diego Luna, which is weird. If you look at IMDb, uh, Diego Luna is the fifth listed, which makes no sense because he's uh, clearly, I, I would argue, even he's the first uh, most important character. The narrator is Daniel, I'm sorry, not Daniel, Daniel Jimenez Cacho, I believe is how you say his name. Um, and that's an important character so I, I see him being third on the list okay but anna who's one of the guy's girlfriends who you do see naked in the first 10 minutes um if not less uh she's not in the movie again so i don't know how she's listed fourth on their top build cast um she doesn't even have a photo so it's like sometimes an actor who's more established will have like their listing higher on depending on the movie but she doesn't even have a photo implying she hasn't done much acting this is probably maybe her only film but nonetheless um the director is alfonso corian or Coran. i always mess up his name and i apologize because i am a huge fan of his uh do you know what else he's directed Corey? no <laughs> well you should and you do in fact but you um, probably have watched it right you have uh, i know you have oh. at least for a couple of them um you you've seen love. gravity uh most likely yep if, um uh, Children of Men, which is a film if you haven't seen, you definitely should I make haven't. an effort to watch. A, a excellent film. And he directed my favorite Harry Potter film, which is The Prisoner of Azkaban. And that's the uh, the Harry Potter film that basically turns the franchise into the the great films that they are. Because the first two are Chris Columbus, and they're okay. But they, they get... They, they drag on a bit. And they uh, are long. Yeah, and they're, they're not... Um, I don't know, they're not as stylistic as the third one, which the third one's where, to me, it really sets the tone, and that's Curran's, um touch. And then, of course, he did E2 Mama Tambien, and uh, the 1998 Ethan Hawke and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow Great Expectations that I've never seen, but I've been kind of eyeballing because I read the book a few years ago, and um, I knew this movie existed, but I heard it wasn't great. Oh, and Bancroft's in it, too. Miss Robinson herself. Um, oh. Yeah, but... Uh, the other thing that this movie has to be noted is not just the, the famous director who's won you know Oscars for his work, but the cinematographer for this film. Um, because the cinematographer for uh, this movie has actually also worked with um, with Koran in several of his other films, um, including Gravity and Children of Men, and won an Oscar for both. Um, Emmanuel Lubezki, who is one of the most uh, awarded cinematographers in the business, and uh, also did Birdman and the um, and the Revenant. Um, he's known for his long takes. That's one of his specialties. Which there is one or two in this film, but not as blatant as he gets later on. Um, the the premise of the movie in Mexico: two teenage boys and an attractive older woman embark on a road trip and learn a thing or two about life, friendship, sex, and each other. And it's a coming of age story, but um, it's more than that. And it, that's uh, Quran and his brother um, Carlos uh, co-wrote the screenplay, and I'm assuming it's his brother. I, I made a big leap there. They could be cousins or something else. But um, I I was also I read an interesting fact that um, Gail Garcia Bernal and Diego Luna were friends for a long time before this, and they were specifically chosen because of their friendship, because they wanted the chemistry to be really natural and organic with the two boys, and so um, that's why they were cast and i mean both have gone on to have pretty solid careers since then and uh you might have recognized maribel verdu from pan's labyrinth she's mercedes in that in that movie yeah she's that's the mom 
No, Mercedes is the yeah. uh, the fighter. The, the she's the servant, but she's like the spy. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, she's the main female in Pan's Labyrinth, really, because the mom dies spoiler early in the movie, kind of thing. But uh, Mercedes is the one who helps the little girl, and she's fighting against the uh, what is he? The general, I think, is what they call him in the movie. I don't think he's an emperor yet, but he wants to be. <laughs> um. Well, Corey, you called this movie, E2 Mama Tambien, a uh, softcore porn. Um, <laughs> yet you're watching, you're watching vampire softcore porn. Um, I feel like there's so much more to it than that. And it's not like, I don't know, I don't feel like we went ten minutes in this movie. I, oh man, I, I have so much to say. Well, let's give a general idea before we get into spoilers. So, um, did you like the film? Mm, no. Okay, well, I'm hoping I can convince you otherwise by the end of this, because uh, there's a lot to love about this film, in fact. Um, I did read a few articles afterwards. Uh, not, I found things that I wasn't looking for. Like, I went looking for one specific kind of explanation, and I found uh, interpretations that I wasn't looking for that I thought were really interesting. Um, uh, I don't know if you noticed, there was a lot of political um, commentary kind of underlaying everything that was happening well i like caught some of it and i mean they like come right out and say a few things about his father well yeah yep and that's part of it and then like just them driving down the road there was multiple times where the police had pulled somebody over and were like harassing people and um for no reason people just standing by the road which in this movie it makes me think that everyone in that country just stands by the road all the time Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, again, it was, this is set, um, it's, the movie came out in 2001, but it's set in 1999, so it's just past where it was set, but the, uh, all that was political commentary about what was happening in Mexico, from what I've read. Now, I, I knew nothing about it. I know that Mexico's had political, you know, turmoil for years, um, but you have a lot about classism in this film as well. You have, uh, Diego Luna's character, um, I'm gonna mess up his name. I thought to myself, I better make sure I know how to pronounce this, and then, uh, now it's like, nope, it's not there. Well, Gail Garcia Julio? Bernal's, it's, no, no. Julio's Gail, uh, and then Diego Luna is, uh, I think it's Tenoche? Or oh, I think Tenoche. Um, I heard, I, fe I feel like I heard it differently, but because I was reading the subtitles, I didn't always, I wasn't always listening as much as I was looking. And then, um, Luisa is Maribel's character. Um, Tenoch is, like, from the upper class somewhat maybe in a corrupt way it's definitely implied that the dad hasn't earned his fortune without getting his hands dirty and doing some things that aren't okay but he's rich and uh well off where julio is um at one point he's called a hillbilly but his father is well educated and they obviously mm -hmm. live in a nice home too correct they are what we would call middle class um but still oh, shoot i looked at them as at least being upper middle class. Mm, Julio is not. Uh, from what I've read, especially, it confirms that kind of... He's not He's not poor, but he's definitely not um, in the same stature as, as uh, Tenoch or Tenoche. Um, and they, uh, you know, they, their friendship is tight, and they have this whole... The whole idea of manifesto, which is another, you know, government kind of mindset. They have, they've written a manifesto for their group of friends, and there's all these rules that they abide by, and they tell Luisa the whole thing, um, which is a fun moment. And, uh, you know, 
ultimately, it, the film does deal a lot with coming of age, for sure. Um, but it also deals with um, knowing oneself in a like knowing things to be true. Like they they outright state that at one point. I mean, the film deals with a lot, um, and it is. I think it's not as clear, but one of the articles that I read uh, made a strong argument that this film is a bisexual, uh, like, tristis, where you could look at it as um, these two boys are... Uh, I'm trying not to spoil things. I feel like this might be bre- breaching upon a spoiler, but nonetheless, um, the article basically made an argument that this film could be uh, um, argued as a bisexual, like, study of sorts. And thus, it could have fallen into not just coming of age, but into um, the LBGTQ plus month last month. And I didn't know that going in. And, and the art article I read was arguing, why don't more people look at this film the way that I do? Um, and I thought he made some strong arguments. And it may have been a... I didn't actually pay attention to who the author was, because I'm really bad at that. Apologies now, but... You would probably mispronounce her name anyway. <laughs> that is not untrue, unfortunately. Um <laughs> But you know, you guys pick on me about steel books. I gotta. Yeah, yours is a not as blatantly bad of a thing, but um, I don't even own that many guys. But yeah, she has so many. But um, I I like the movie. Um, I actually I think I won't deny there was more sexuality than I'm used to in a movie. Um, on the bright side, there was a lot more mass like male nudity. Then there was female, which I'm not saying bright side like, oh, I'm so excited, but usually... It was more equal. That's not ever the case. I, I would really. argue there's a lot more penis in this movie than there are boobs. Oh, I mean, no. I mean, in general, when you're oh. looking at nudity in films uh-huh. or television, True Blood, um, it's more like you see more women oh, naked yeah. or topless yeah. or Completely. their butts. and than men but that's what i was saying is it was way more equal in this movie well and that's what i mean like i think that was um it's an important part to i think one the argument of the the essay that i read and two i think of what the story is really about um because it is about sexual exploration in all all you know states and and senses um and that is part of of being becoming an adult you know we can pass judgment on how people behave sexually or whatever, and um, yet it is part of the process, right? Like, and in different cultures, it's different, different ways. And late nineties, um, you you sense there's a sense of homophobia in the in the boys, yet there's also a, a sense of a little bit of progressive. There, they ha- they mention a friend uh, who's come out of the closet. I think is the exact words they use. Yet they call each other uh, faggot over and over and over again throughout this movie, and not in a friendly way, like in a very derogatory, you know, negative statement. Yet they were okay with their friend who came out of the closet. So you know, there's that late '90s kind of we know it's okay, but we're still not comfortable with the idea just yet. You know, we don't want to be directly associated with it. I think. Yeah. And um, all right. Uh, I guess I guess we should get into spoilers because I, I think I probably w- w- like walked a tightrope here. Um, I enjoyed the film. It is very much a hard R, though, um, uh, especially from American standards. From what I read, the movie did struggle to get released in some of the other countries because of the sexuality of the film. Oh wow! Um, um, it did get released, but like there were delays with ratings and things like that. Uh, I don't know what it ended up getting rated in the U.S. release, but I would have thought NC-17. Um, 
just because mainly because of the time period 2001 and there's so much more penis than there is anything else and that was not common in uh you know our films like topless woman sure like completely naked dude not very often so i i would have been and again some of the, the way the sex scenes are shot are very like handheld camera right in there with the the, the people having sex it's very very real voyeuristic um, yeah it is and so I, I i wouldn't have been surprised if this did have nc-17 i did not confirm that but it's definitely a hard r um it is on netflix uh so if you miss this and you want to catch it, you can go there and watch it. Um, but from this point forward, Corey. Guys, spoiler warning. If you want to go check out the movie, you can. Otherwise, full steam ahead. We will be talking about this movie in great detail. Uh, so what didn't you like? Um, so first of all, I think we need to talk about... I hated the narration. I thought it was very distracting and out of place. I hated the long silence before and after. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't need you to get my attention like it's all subtitled, which I mean, if you are, if you are fluent in Spanish, then maybe, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't, it was awkward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought, I thought the, uh, the way the narration was done was different for sure. Um, I, I wrote in my notes when it first started, like after the third or fourth time narration thought- is intrusive audio cuts out for it, which I thought was unusual because it like would really cut out and like you said there was almost like a before and after and the first time that it happened i was like i thought that the sound was messed up yeah yeah i thought that i think a few times throughout the film i'd be like wait what's going on oh okay we're getting more narration but um the narration Um, was an interesting choice i i don't know that i like it um it did what i can't remember exactly another article i read talked about it and and i think it adds to the political story that's being told they're um, definitely giving us information that we probably they wouldn't have been able to naturally you know mm-hmm. i feel like well the story and in some ways it reminds me of amelie um because amelie has that narration too uh yeah, i just amelie think is so awesome it is no uh, well i think this movie is awesome too i think this movie feels much more independent um amelie is very polished and gorgeous and the production value is really high. This movie feels very independently done. It's it looks low budget. Um, not that the cinematography suffers because you have Emmanuel Lubezki, and I don't think the writing suffers. And I think the performances are outstanding, um, especially for su- God. I can't believe how young these guys look because they're both like nineteen, but they look like they're like fourteen years old in this movie. Um, especially Diego Luna, he looks so young. And what Milk was two thousand eight, right? Mm-hmm. He looks yeah, I think so. leaps and bounds older in Milk. You know, we're talking like seven years and he's, you know, and then Rogue One, which I know that's now we're talking like 15 years, but Rogue One, he looks so much older than he does here. I mean, he is a baby face in this movie. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I think the narration has problems, but I do think the information that it conveys adds to that side story that the movie's talking about and it's, it's not even necessarily i couldn't figure out like commentary and that's what i went looking for i wanted to know like what was uh alfonso trying to say about the time period um um like was he upset about it was he trying to let us know and i, I kept waiting for that political thing to really come into the movie more um 
like to have some big conflict at the end with the politician thing or them to get stopped by the police or uh, something like that. And that doesn't happen because it's not that story. That's just in the world that they're in. But um, the main story, the, the story of the two boys and the bisexuality that they seem to be um, exhibiting and yet afraid to face <laughs> is I... blatant love when they get into the argument and she's like or you could just do each other screw each other that's what you really want and then i can't yeah she outright says it and then when uh later on when they get super drunk um like they're drinking shots of tequila and uh drinking beer on top of it and they uh end up going back to the room and having a threesome um the two guys kiss and uh, it's a very passionate kiss. It doesn't look like a kiss of, you know, like, hey, let's see what happens. It looks more like, hey, we've been wanting to do this for a long time, but we've been afraid to. And then the next morning, there's almost like you can see like a revulsion between the two of them where they're both ready to go home. Like right now, like no breakfast. Let's and just go. Even when they like wake up and he like one of them has the he their head on the other person's like arm barely. They're yeah. like, uh, yeah, very all of a sudden homophobic, um, and we learn quickly that their friendship dissolves from this. They don't see each other for like a year, and when they do see each other again, it's to talk about Maria, uh, not Maria, I'm sorry, Louisa, um, and then they were told by the narrator that they never see each other again, that that's the end of their friendship. Um, and so the article that I read, which I should probably try to look up um, so I can give credit, to the person who wrote it uh but basically made like that there was a comment about truth in their manifesto that um or one of them says you can't find the truth it's that glorious thing you look for but you can't find um louisa finds her truth but the boys don't um they see it it's right there in front of them but they deny I, it i don't know i feel like what we end up finding out about her that I feel like there would, I don't know, I've obviously never been in that situation, but, I mean, uh, I feel like there aren't a lot of consequences at that point. You know what I mean? Like, why not just do what you want to do? Well, I'm going to one, uh, Andy Herrera, Herrera, you were right, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, um, Herrera from... Herrera? Me, her with an H. So not Ferrera. Uh, yeah, I said Herrera. Oh, probably. Andy Herrera um, wrote for Medium.com. The, the article is called E2 Mama Tambien is totally about bisexuality. Why does no one ever talk about this? And and writes a very compelling argument, um, especially given the film, I think, is correct. But, um, I mean, I, I enjoyed a lot of this movie. I mean, there's uh, some really funny parts. I believed their, uh, the drama between them. Um, I love how the name of the film comes to be, like, kind of explained. Uh, did you catch that? Mm-mm. Um, Julio confesses to, uh, ten man, I wish I could get this name better, Tenoch, that he slept with his mother, and the words are, um, I think he says, e tu mama tambien, like, he, cause he throws it out there, like, just kinda, I also slept with your mother, like, boom, there it is, and... They're but they're so drunk at that point he just laughs it off. But that was like uh. he, they both confess to uh, sleeping with each other's girlfriends more than once, and then they can. You know, I mean, uh, they're shitty friends. I feel like it was bound to end anyways. 
that's true. That's part of that facing the truth, though, right? Like, yeah. there's they thought they knew each other. They thought they had this manifesto and that they were going to abide by all these rules. Um, but no, they're kids and they they think with their their penises, right? Like. <laughs> That seems to be their driving force from the beginning. Sorry, John, them. but I'm so glad I'm not a man. Hey, okay. I, I don't think all men <laughs> act like that. And I also don't no, think don't. I don't think adult males. Well, I, I know there are some who do, um, but I think adult. Or that some women don't. True. Yeah, that's a valid. I mean, I was um, kind of floored at how open all of them were with their sexuality, like in conversation, you know, like. I felt like it was so awkward. It was just. I don't know. I felt like so much of this movie was so awkward. See, I would have normally felt that way, but because they were so natural with it, I kind of, um, I, I don't know. I had a few, like, one, I'm wondering if that's an American cultural thing, because we are very hidden about our sexuality in America. Like, it seems to be the one thing that we, we try to repress all the time. Um, you know, we're quick to judge when people like a woman wears short shorts. So she's clearly a slut or think of the victim shaming that happens. Um, you know, what were you wearing is a common question that a, a rape victim is asked. Like that should have anything to do with why they were raped, you know, like, or, you know, what were you drinking? Like, again, not relevant. And yet that's what our country has seemed to be the standard. Now, to be fair, I don't know how other countries hand, handle rape victims, but I know that we have a huge problem here and that the Me Too movement has finally happened as a result of how we handle that, you know? And that, I think, is a, a, a vision of our deeper problem is that we are a country full of people who repress sexuality and it seems to then come out in dark and twisted ways, right? Like, that's where I think you see all these people in power who are doing just these awful things um, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't feel like you can really equate those. I, I definitely think you can equate those. I mean, I'm not saying that everyone does it, but I think we're in a, we're in a country where sexuality is supposed to be a secret. It's something that happens in the bedroom and, uh, you see it. I mean, look at how we treat film, um, in America, American film boobs, but boobs automatically hit a, an R rating where, you know, violence, excessive violence takes a lot before it hits the R rating. We're okay with people getting shot and killed in a movie, but we don't want to see anyone naked um, or it's rated R. And that's what, I, what I, the whole reason I'm talking about all of that is I kind of took the conversation as maybe it's a cultural difference that sexuality is not, you know. I felt like she's married. Mm-hmm. Her marriage is... Okay, A, you're beautiful and you're married to a goob. I mean... True, true. And you know that he's been doing this to you for a long time and you put up with it. Like, And why? she admits... Well, she's had nothing, right? Like, at, like look at... Death has tortured her. Um, her her first love, who she seemed like she was madly in love with, we're told he died in, a, in an accident. I wasn't accident. expecting him to be that young. The uh, Her boyfriend? The 17-year-old? Yeah. I expected her to be that age, but I expected him to be, like, a mm. little bit older. Well, and then her, her mother died, her aunt died, you know, like, everybody around her died, so she finally had something stable. I think she was just hoping that it would go, it would be okay, you know, like, or maybe she was so used to just losing everything that she was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just happy, this. I'm just happy he's not leaving me, you know, <laughs> like, I, I finally have something, and it's her death that makes her you know leave it's not even that he's cheated it's 
that she's like, you know what? There's nothing worth like me waiting for. I'm going to die now. So I'm going to go just experience as much as I can before it's over. Um, and that's, I think she's crying. I think she's mourning her own loss when she's crying. Um, but I also think she's maybe like regretful. Um, like that I've been waiting for so long and now look where I have nothing left. This is all I'm going to have. And so there's like regret there, I think too. Um, oh, and when we find out that she just wanted to travel. Mm-hmm. I... Yeah. And I, I, I felt for her character tremendously. Um, and she, you know, she does, she knew that the boys had a crush on her. I think from, I mean, just the way they were at the, that party, the wedding or whatever it was. They were, like, almost on top of her. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, you know, so she, she definitely knew that they were interested in her, and I, like, she, she took some time. It wasn't like they were on the road and she immediately had sex with them. Like, it, it took, I don't know, I felt like the way it happened made sense, because she was crying, he walks in, she's just like, you know what, I'm just gonna do this. I need, I need to feel something else than sadness, and... Uh, you know, she'd been talking to them about sexuality already, and she had an idea. Um, I don't know. I I feel like it's it's a trope to have the older woman kind of like teach the boys about sex, like it's in several stories and whatnot. But um, I think there's something else here that could be interpreted, and obviously there's the whole political undertones that I think are very interesting. I wish I understood them more. I'm not familiar enough with Mexican politics at the time, but... It's so hard, even... I feel- All right, we are back. We had some uh, Skype technical difficulties where we were cutting out on each other, um, but Corey was in the middle of a thought that I want to hear. Uh, Corey, you were talking about the political elements of E2 Mama Tambien? I was just saying that I think it's hard... Since we, I feel like other countries are way more first on our politics than we are first on other countries' politics. And sometimes I feel like it's because ours are just so bombastic. I feel like they're just loud and, like, I don't know, stupid sometimes. So I think it makes it hard when we're watching these movies, even like that horrible movie Meantime, where we didn't really get what was going on. Like, you know, I feel like we it may have hit us harder and we might you know what i mean might have just resonated more yeah for sure i mean it's one of the struggles um even when i watch a movie about american politics um i don't always know things because it's not an area that i spend as much time as i know i should and it's definitely something that i want to um be better at but it is it's also overwhelming history was never my strongest subject and and while History implies the past. History also in in school always deals with economics and government, and those were areas where I just would zone out, you know. And I hate I didn't do it on purpose. I just it was not an area that grabbed me. Um, and so other people's politics, I especially am weak on. Um, I feel like I need to do some research to kind of understand uh, this movie a little more because I do think there's there's a reason he does it the way he does it, and I think even the narrator. Um, who doesn't he's not a character right like it's not the voice of of julio or or tenoch tenoche man i'm just horrible with names and or luisa um it's not said to be a character that we've met it's just this all-knowing voice yeah well but not just them right he knows everything it's like a voice of god 
Um, he knows what's happening in the future. He knows what happened in the past. He knows that there are little secrets they keep from each other. Like, I love that little moment where he's like, um, whenever he goes to the bathroom at his house, Julio lights a bunch of matches and, uh, Tenoche will open the toilet with his foot so he doesn't touch the seat. Like, those are little things that they don't know about each other and they don't need to. Like, you know, those are, I thought that was really funny because I think that's superhuman, right? Like, there's probably something like that where you have this little idiosyncrasy that you do but you don't want anybody to know that you do it because it'd be embarrassing if they did and um things like that in movies like this like in coming of age stories i think are why i'm always drawn to them i'm a big fan of coming of age stories you know the way way back juno um breakfast club 16 candles uh pretty in pink I mean, the list goes on and on and on that I'm, I'm ultimately a huge fan of. And this genre doesn't always have to be coming of age from young to adult. It can also be midlife crisis, which I think Louisa is going through her own thing. Because if we were to look at Blake Snyder, Blake Snyder is the, the, the author of the Save the Cat Guide to Screenwriting. And he is beloved by many and hated by many. Um, some people think he what he did by bringing out this formula to writing a screenplay hurt Hollywood that so many people are writing these formulaic screenplays as a result of his writing other people think all he did was point out what was already happening and it just allows yeah and just allows us to be more you know clear clean cut and write a script that flows rather than one that is convoluted and garbage and of course there's other people who have done screenplays uh, formatting and guides but um, I've studied Blake a lot, and one of his archetypes is the rite of passage story, which is another name for the coming of age story. But um, one of the rite of passages is a death passage, where a character has to come to terms with death, and that's Louisa's story in this movie: is her coming to terms with her own mortality, um, realizing that she's wasted her life to some degree, um, partly because she was content to just have somebody, and so she stayed complacent. And I think that, you know, then you have the kids who are dealing with um, reality. You know, like, Tenoch wants to be a writer. His cousin's a writer. He tells him, you know, it's more than just school and blah, blah, blah. But he has that threat from his dad that if he doesn't go economics, he'll be cut off, essentially, from the family. And then when they meet up later, he, he tells Julio that he's going to school for economics. So he caved. He didn't follow his dreams. He didn't learn the lesson. Um, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of that I, I find really compelling. I mean, it doesn't end on the happiest of notes, but I'm okay with it, that. It totally just end. Yeah, you're cutting off. I, I hear now. So I've been talking for a long time without you speaking, and I'm not sure now if that's because you couldn't speak or if you were just being polite. Also, awkward. I'm just awkward, too. I feel like you need to definitely bring that into the equation. Like, sometimes I'm... most Actually, all the time, I'm not good with words. Um, I... Hmm. And I... You said you were, like, talking about the classism, and I think that that is interesting because I, I still feel like Julio's family... I don't know. Especially when we're, like, driving through these small towns with them and we see you know other people and how they live um Uh that i still feel like his family is pretty wealthy um 
and then she's talking about how she's a dental technician and she just needed to have a job quickly where she made money and she got this certificate um, in four months because she was 16 and that like her husband's friends like tried to bring her into conversations that she doesn't really want to be a part of and mm-hmm. it's really just feeling like they're judging her and she says that she doesn't really have any say on those things I mean but can't you relate to that like that's something that I feel like sometimes I sit and like I'll get invited to these different meetings for work or something and these people are talking about politics or they're talking about you know like wine tasting and I'm over here like have you seen this movie I've seen this or, movie <laughs> or I really like burgers <laughs> yeah yeah I can't remember oh, you I can't out. remember who that football player is that said that in that stupid I want to say it's the Nutrisystem oh it's like and you get to eat burgers so I just call burgers burgers now oh wow I've never heard that that's hilarious I can't remember which football player is but that's where that's coming from I know and I feel like I often often feel uneducated around people or not like not able to articulate what I want to say so no, I totally understand, but I do feel like in those situations that they might have just been judging her, not really wanting her to be a part of the conversation. Yeah, and that's, but I mean, and she she stayed through all of that, right? Like, again, she was, I think, so happy to have someone to, to call family that she was, and she even mentions, it's really quickly shown how controlling his mother is, her husband's, like, her mother-in-law um, because like when he gets the wine on her on his suit, she's like, "Come on, we'll get you a new coat. You can't meet the president." Like he's a grown man, and, and she, Louise is trying to fix it with salt, which apparently salt works great, guys. Hmm. On taking out all kinds of, you know, I'm learning all these things from one of my coworkers. And chalk, chalk. You get some oil or something on your shirt, you go use some white chalk. Hmm. So there you go. Um, but yeah, totally. And I forget what else she says about her. And then, oh, your mother brought some of the moose that you really like. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. And and yet she's she's letting that happen again because I think she's just happy to be a part of something until the reality sets in that, like, hey, you're going to die. And this is what you have. You have people that I... you don't really like. You're around people that you don't care for. All because you were just looking to have that void filled. But that didn't fill the void. It just created a different one. It's a different emptiness. And, I I mean, powerful. I think it says a lot about her as a person, too, that she calls him and is still trying to help him. Okay, folks. Sorry about um, the technical stuff. We had issues. Um, We're going to have to try something different next week. But uh, for now, we are just going to wrap up. Um, I really like the film. I give E2 Mama Tambien, um, I'm going to lean towards must-see, although it's definitely got some adult content, so if you're not comfortable with that uh, sexuality, um, that is out on display, um, you're going to want to pull that back uh, to Not Quite Golden. Really good movie. I think there's a lot to be interpreted, um, stuff that I want to explore now to make sure I totally get what was happening in the film and that I understand. Corey, on the other hand, said it was like pulling teeth to get through. Um, didn't really enjoy it and it went with not a total waste of time and maybe leaning towards decent watch so on the up end of that so um, not her favorite I really liked it I think there's some really great performances and I think there's a lot to explore in this film and I'm always a fan of 
of that where a film makes you think and keep thinking about it afterwards um if you have any thoughts on the film you can email us at contact at burkreviews.com you can hit us up on social media i'm at burke reviews and Corey is at Corey r star two r's on the end um that's on twitter instagram and you can follow me on letterbox not so much with Corey. um we'll be back next week we're gonna be watching zach braff's garden state a film Corey has never seen and i have but only once so i'm looking forward to giving it a rewatch um, but that will be our next film. So check back next week. And until then, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.